It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the basketball fanatics. I got Jay Smoove in the house, live and direct from Las Vegas. You guys can get him at Smoove underscore 702. Mackenzie Rivers, also from Las Vegas. You guys can get him on Twitter at Mac and Rivers. And Dan Rivera, college basketball summit league guru. You guys can get him on Twitter as well at Dan Rivera 228. And you can find us all on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, guys, here we go. Going to talk some college basketball, some NBA for your Friday. We'll cover two college basketball games, four NBA games. As of right now, we're recording this Thursday night. It's about 10 p.m. on the East Coast. We have four games in the NBA that currently have lines. Dan Rivera went ahead. He handicapped two college basketball games for you. He's going to go ahead and give you guys a pick. I didn't get any sound this week from A.J. Hoffman, but he did give you guys a winner last week with his college basketball best bet on Tennessee. I want to go ahead. I want to start it out here with Dan, and then we'll end with Dan. Dan, I want to go ahead and start out with this Oral Roberts game at Denver. Currently, there's a line on this game, minus 10.5, but you're looking for a key number in this one, and you also have a short handicap. What are you thinking for that Oral Roberts at Denver game? This line opened at 10.5. When I was doing this research last night, Sleepy, I was expecting about a 6.5, maybe a 7, just because Denver stinks. It's one of those bottom feeder type teams I know you and I like to fade at home just because we don't have to pay a massive premium for the for them being a road. But my big issue here was that 10.5 number. I was stunned by that number just because I didn't think their books would do it. Well, they did it. So I'll tell you what, guys. If this game goes down to 9 or lower, I'll make Oral Roberts an official play. But at 10.5, I think you're just paying a premium now. So as of right now, I'll lean Oral Roberts. Look for that minus 9 tomorrow. You know, one of the things Dan and I like to do, and Uncle Dave falls into that and and a lot of other handicappers who, you know, primarily jump into college basketball early. You know, we like to go ahead and tackle these small conferences because the odds makers, you know, they're stuck with college basketball. They're stuck with college football, NBA, NFL. Uh, you got hockey starting up right now. And sometimes they're they're slow to, you know, go ahead and get their numbers straight for, you know, some of these smaller conferences. So it seems to me, Dan, the fact that you're thinking that, you know, that this line is trending more towards being correct now. Uh, versus of what you were hoping that it came out at. But now, you know, things are starting to slow down with the NFL. A team has to win three more times in order to win the Super Bowl. Uh, so, you know, it's just – it's becoming a lot easier for the books to go ahead and get those smaller conferences kind of ironed out and get those numbers uh, shaped up and, and more towards being correct. So uh, we do lose value with the smaller conferences. But, you know, that's one of the things that you – uh, you know, primarily focus on. I mean, you like that Summit League, you like some of those goofy conferences because, you know, you feel like they do have uh, at least, you know, value for probably, you know, longer than than most conferences. So uh, we'll go ahead and we'll jump into that North Dakota State, North Dakota game uh, at the end of the pod. But as Dan said, he's looking for that key number of nine. So let's jump into some NBA stuff here with Smooth and McKenzie. I think we should start out with the big news that is surrounding the NBA right now. James Harden, he's leaving Houston. He's going to Brooklyn. Kyrie Irving is, I don't know, you could say whatever you want. He's AWOL. Uh, he's a no-show. He's, he's lost in the sauce. But I did see a report today that Kyrie and KD were looking to go ahead and have uh, somewhat of a smooth transition. They're looking to go ahead and gel um, with Harden. So, Smooth, I kind of want to get your opinion on this one. You know, How do you think everything's going to work out right now, the fact that Harden you know, has finally landed at the Nets. I mean, this was one of the destinations he wanted to go. He said, look, 
I want to go to a team that's that's going to be a contender. And I actually think in, in my in my mind, like that's a good thing. You know, it's a good thing that Harden is looking at at winning right now. And maybe it's not about the stats. Maybe he just, you know, I, I think there's a legacy that's involved with, you know, these particular these particular guys in general. But, you know, how many times has a big three actually failed? I think if this big three fails, you know, th- this hurts the legacy for all those guys. But I think, you know, one of the things that I haven't heard is, you know, that's what Harden mentioned. He wanted to go to be a contender. And I think that's a good look for Harden. Um, so that's kind of the way that I feel about that. How are you feeling about the whole Harden thing? How do you think it's going to work out? Yeah, I think this was kind of a, a move that the Nets the, seemed like they felt like they needed to make, especially with, um, you know, Kyrie Irving going a little AWOL and not putting too much pressure on Kevin Durant coming back from Achilles tear. But I don't think that they're going to have as many problems as uh, it perceives that they will have on the offensive end. My biggest concern is when you're trying to win a championship, where you're going up against, you know, the teams that are on that same level, you got to be able to play defense and be able to get stops on command because uh, people are just too talented offensively. And by bringing in Harden, you know, they got rid of their best uh, defender down low in Jared Allen, one of their best defenders on the perimeter and Torian Prince. Then they also got rid of a, a nice player that, that I really like that he's going to flourish in Indiana and Karis LeVert. And he was playing a really solid role, you know, coming off the bench. He was a good fit. Um, when no, when they didn't have any players going down to the bubble last year, I think a lot of people got to really see Karis LeVert flourish. But this big three, I think KD's looking at it as kind of comparing it to the big three that he had in Golden State uh, with Steph and Clay. But that big three was kind of like a seamless fit to me because, like I said, I don't think that they're going to struggle as much offensively just because of how talented all three of these guys are. But the big three feed in, in Golden State was seamless because you had Steph and Clay that didn't really need to dominate the ball, and they was really efficient at scoring the ball. So if that third guy, whether it was Clay or whether it was Steph on certain nights, they can still be effective because they were effective shooters. Well, with Harden and Kyrie – you know, they like to dribble the ball a lot and they like to get in the, to dominate the ball with their usage rate. And they're pretty comfortable with, you know, the ball going through them. So they're going to, with not having an off season and, you know, just putting this together on the fly, that might be a little bit of a problem. And their, their depth, their depth and their bench might be a problem. So I still think the Lakers are the better team. And if they met up in the finals, I would go with the Lakers. Yeah. I certainly think the depth's going to be, going to be the issue. When I saw, that Harden wasn't going to be playing. I'm like, something's going on here. And then I started thinking, you know, I was reading reports and I actually went through each and every team and I'm looking, I'm like, according to what, what Houston said, they wanted a young star and they wanted a bunch of picks. And I'm like, all right, well, who has a bunch of picks and and what young star would, would a team be willing to send? I'm going through and I'm looking, I'm like, would, would the Nets actually send Levert? I'm like, if they do make the trade, I'm like, there's there's almost no way in hell that Levert's not involved in that trade. And then sure enough, he's gone. I was actually quite surprised that Allen ended up going as well. But I think that they, it was a haul. I mean, you, you're going to give up four first rounds. You're going to swap four first round picks. Like, it just seems like a haul. And my 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 feeling is, is that it's going to come down to Kyrie or, or Harden, you know, who who wants to be the point guard 
in that team. Like who's going to be the guy that's going to be doing the assisting. And I wonder if it's going to be Harden, uh, to be honest with you. I think Harden is actually a very underrated passer. And I think that the fact that he wants to go to the Nets to, you know, be a winner, um, that he might end up being the guy that that actually has the ball coming up the court, um, that he's going to be doing far more assisting instead of, you know, that that whole ISO game that he, that he just got into that, you know, it does get boring at times. But that's just my gut feeling. I think if, if him and Kyrie could figure that out and, and Harden assumes the role as the point guard, it's going to work a whole hell of a lot better than um, trying to get Kyrie to be the point guard. So um, that's the way I look at that one. How are you feeling about that one, Mackenzie? How are you feeling about Harden going to the Nets? I feel like I'm on a bit of an island here. I feel like I'm the only person, at least that I've heard in media, you know, I'm in, I work for the uh, Straight Out of Vegas show. I get in around 8.39, listen to Dan Patrick, listen to Colin Cowherd, listen to the whole lineup. And literally it was like, who can disparage this deal the most? It was one and upping each other. Nobody liked it. Kyrie's AWOL, Harden is, you know, the worst. But the odds did the exact opposite of what everybody was saying. It was like, not only did they get better, they got much better. I mean, they have like a 30% chance to win the title. I think it's maybe a little higher. Uh, you know, the Lakers have like a 35% chance, so they're right there. And they're the Nets. Like, when they made the finals back-to-back years, maybe combined they had a 5% chance to win that either of those series. They've never been close to anything since Julius Irving. Like, who cares about their picks in 2025 and 2027? This is going to be a special run, I believe. I think you got to look at the buyout candidates. Yes, they're very thin. Defense is a problem. But, I mean, Robin Lopez probably isn't on the Washington Wizards at the end of this season. There's a lot of guys like that that can say, hey, this is win or lose. This is a historic make a documentary about it at the end type, you know, group. Kyrie Irving probably, I mean – just statistically, finals performance-wise, points per game, shooting percentage, you know, the best sh- shooting guard finals performer ever with Dwayne Wade. You know, nobody, like him and Shaq, I think it's points per game in their first two finals as far as efficiency. Uh, or points per minute, I should say. He'd get in and score 30 like that, and people forget about that because he's been, you know, part of these unsuccessful teams, at least compared to expectations. But talent-wise, I have no doubt about him. I'm glad that, to hear that. The GM, Sean Mark, said that he's excited to join the team. I don't know what the story is there, but I don't think it's anything like what's being reported. Maybe he just wanted to take two weeks off. LeBron did that publicly, going to Miami and working out, and you know he's a PR machine. He's a genius at that. It worked out for him. I think it could be something like that, kind of a small deal. I think Irving's ready to go and win this championship. So, yeah, I'm, I'm on an island. I like it a lot. I think this team's great. Uh, I think all three of them have proven they can play off the ball. Like, people talk about, oh, they're all dribblers. Too much dribblers, too much ego. It's the NBA. First of all, everybody has a huge ego. Second of all, unless you're Shaq in the last 20 years, if you're any kind of decent player, you can dribble. Maybe Clay Thompson, you can make the argument. And yes, I agree with you, Smoove. I don't think Steph, KD, and Clay will be touched by this trio. I think that was the perfect basketball, both in style, talent level, and fit. I don't think we're going to see that anytime soon. I mean, they won 16 out of 17 playoff games, and the one they lost, they were cheated by the refs. They should have easily won that game. Should have easily won all those games by 15 points in the playoffs against the best of the best. So I'm super excited. I'm super amped. I think they win the championship. I think it's them, Lakers, and the Clippers, as far as talent-wise, top three in the league with a bullet. Far after that is the Milwaukee Bucks, and it's going to be fun. This is the story of the season now, and I can't wait to watch it unfold. 
Harden has to lose about 20 pounds though before he before you know they're a competent team. But you know, who cares? Who cares? The the finals are in July. Like if he you know, who cares his weight and performance level? Now people always make it this morality play about oh well Irving owes it to his teammates and how could you let Kyrie how could you let Kevin Durant down? It's freaking January. It's freaking game seven. Not game seven of the playoffs, just game seven. Who cares? People put drill up all this drama to make it negative let's just look at the basketball this is the best team in the league yeah i think across the board if you look at this team at least their starting roster um it's going to be hard to it's going to be hard to match them at points per game i i just i have a feeling that you know that they can do they could do many things you know they could beat you at the rim obviously with Harden. you know they can get to the free throw line they're going to be able to shoot threes and, and kd could pretty much you know do whatever damn well he wants to um, what were the odds on this, McKenzie, like a week ago before the Harden trade? Like, what were the Nets? Last time I saw, which was about a week ago, is Sixers 2-1, to one, Nets 5-1. to one. What's interesting is when this story first came out, the Nets were 12-1 to one to win the finals when the lines first opened. And then these rumors started happening. They quickly went to 6-1, to one, and then they played okay, and people said, oh, well, you know, Durant's back. That's why it went to 6-1. to one. I think this has been built into the market. Obviously, it wasn't a sure thing, but I think this possibility – is a lot of the reason why the Nets were one of the favorites coming into the season. You know, one of the things that I believe I sent to you and the crew, you know, I was trying to make a case for Durant MVP, and I was trying to make a case for for the Nets to go ahead and win the East. And I considered, you know, the, the Harden rumors when he, and I'm like, okay, but I don't want to put a whole lot of stock into that. But I felt like even without Harden, um, that they had a chance to go ahead and win the East. And I ended up putting... I I, ha, I actually have a lot of I've never made that many future bets before on a team um, to go ahead and, and and win the East. So I got them at like plus two seventy. That's down to like plus I think it was like plus one twenty. But I do have a question for you guys because I dumped a lot on Durant to win the MVP. And before I even talked to you guys about this, I went ahead and I hurry up and I sold all that. I got rid of it. I'm like I just I want to get my money back for all this. Um, I lost very little on that trade. So I, I felt really good about that. But I, I think that Harden coming to the Nets probably takes KD out of the MVP conversation. Now, do you guys feel like I'm right or, or I'm wrong? So smooth, I'll let you go and answer that. I just feel like, I just feel like there's no way Durant wins the MVP with, with Harden on that team and Kyrie. Yeah, I think so. And before the season um, started, I would have put my money on a LeBron James for the MVP. And, you know, when you look at the Lakers, they're off to a, I think they're 10 and three record, seven and no on the road. I think that's the first time in a while in their franchise history. And, you know, LeBron, he's just, you know, there's no drop off from him. Plus the Lakers have improved this year, you know, with the additions that they brought in. And I don't even really think that the Lakers are, Playing to their full their full capability night in night out, and so they're they're pretty much coasting through the regular season, and they're still you know the number one seed in the uh, number one seed out west. I think number one seed overall in the league, and you know also going back to that Harden trade, if they happen to meet up in the finals, you know I think this sets up perfectly for you know the LeBron over Jordan argument again. That well, I still think the Lakers are the better team. They still have the best player. You know, Kevin Durant's a close second, but LeBron's still the best player to me. And if he happens to beat that team and win the regular season MVP for his fifth to tie with Jordan and to win the championship for his fifth championship, 
you know, it just, you know, etches, you know, closer and closer to that, you know, Michael Jordan conversation, even though I don't think that he will ever surpass him. But throughout the media, that conversation, you know, is never is never ending. How about you, Mackenzie? How do you feel about Durant winning the MVP? I think I made a good a good choice to go ahead and get rid of those bets that I had. I do not. I'm sorry to say I was actually in, anticipating you say now I think Kevin Durant can't can't not win the MVP. I'm looking at the list of MVPs and number one that it's got to be on a team with one of the best records. So Luka Doncic, he's the favorite. I think that's ridiculous. He's not going to win it. Giannis, he could easily win it. He's six to one. That's probably about right. Steph Curry, I don't think that team's going to be that good, record-wise. LeBron, he he's a great player. So is Anthony Davis. You look at playoff player efficiency rating, it goes Michael Jordan, Anthony Davis. So why aren't we having the Michael Jordan, Anthony Davis conversation ever? You know, to me, he's 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 just an amazing player. There's so many. There's seven or eight guys where it's like historically. Take go in a time machine. Who could beat who who could beat these guys? Like maybe Kareem Abdul Jabbar could hold a candle to Anthony Davis. Maybe not. Maybe he's just the next level, like way, way better. So yeah, I think Kevin Durant's gonna win it. Like Nikola Jokic, if they're the second seed, he could be in it. He's a very good story. But I think Kevin Durant, I don't think his odds drop off because Harden's not gonna come in and be Harden. He's not gonna have 35 points a game. I think he's going to have more like 20 to start. And Kevin Durant, if they have one of the best records and he's clearly the best player, that story sells. So I think I think he's got a decent chance to win it. I do. You know, and that was my worry is I don't think Luka's going to win it and I don't think Giannis is going to win it. And I'm and then I'm starting to think, I'm like, well, who the hell's left? And, you know, if Harden does come in and he, and he you know, assumes the point guard role and he's just, you know, he's just dumping the ball off to KD and KD's sitting on, on the outside just, you know, knocking everything down. I don't know. I, I I think I made the right choice with that. That's just, I, I feel like I made the right choice with that. Like I didn't need to have that bet, but I felt like, you know, the, the fact that I had the Nets to win the East at plus 270, like I was just happy with that. Like I invested quite a bit with those two wagers. So I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe some of our listeners bet it, you know, it's, I don't know if I gave that out on a pod, but maybe some of our listeners bet it and, and they feel good about it. But Dan, I didn't get a chance to ask you. I know you're, you're opinionated. You follow uh, all this NBA stuff as well. You got any thoughts on, on Harden going over there to the Nets? I do. One, I know all the fat jokes. I don't feel bad for him. That's on him for not being in shape and not wanting to be in shape because he did fire his personal trainer, but that's not my issue with him. So if you're Harden, you want out. You do everything in your power to make sure to tell the Houston Rockets, hey, I don't want to be here. Well, mission accomplished. I think he was at a strip club or a birthday party when he was caught being out for COVID issues. Yeah, I, I, I don't have a problem saying that. He's out of shape. That doesn't bug me. But I'd be very jealous if I got to work out all day. But I think Harden now has the opportunity to get a lot of those monkeys off his back. A number of issues Harden is, one, he's a ball hog. Well, you got Kevin Durant now. And two, Harden, this is his only chance to win a championship. So everyone knows McKenzie, Sleepy, Smooth. You guys all know what winning one championship does for your career and legacy. So if Harden really wants to stick it to the NBA media and really solidify his career as a nice Hall of Fame player, I think winning a ring would do it. And I think if he doesn't win a ring, I think he'll look in the Hall of Fame. But I just think it changes the narrative completely on him if he wins that ring. I think Harden took, you know, the proper approach if he wanted, you know, if he wanted out of Houston, the fact that he, 
you know, he ended up playing. You know, he probably could have just sat out and pouted and, and looked bad. Uh, but the fact that he played, I think it, it made him look good. I was talking about the MVP stuff there. As I had mentioned, Luka, uh, four to one right now. Giannis plus four fifty, and the Mavs are going to play the Bucks tomorrow. Bucks are going to be minus six. Total two twenty seven. Uh, I actually have a prop wager in this one. Smooth, why don't you go ahead and talk about Mavs Bucks? What you think about for that one tomorrow? No, I would lean towards the Bucks uh, under normal circumstances. I would go with the Mavs, but I think they're gonna they have a lot of key guys listed as questionable uh, being in being out there for this game. Like Josh Richardson, uh, he was a starter. I think Jalen Bronson's still out. He plays heavy minutes. But um, you said you mentioned the prop about having a with Luca. Uh, I would look with towards Luca because he looked like he's rounding in the form for this one. But I think the Bucks are a little bit underrated. Uh, now that Harden has gone to the Nets, but they could be in a good spot to get this game against the Mavs if if all those guys stay out for the Mavs. Yeah, I noticed their their um their depth chart tomorrow doesn't look good. Uh, did anybody happen to see the Miami depth chart tonight? Uh, Smoover or McKenzie? Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm like, I was putting a fantasy team together. They literally had eight guys. And I'm like, well, this guy's the cheapest guy on the board. He's only like 3000 which is the, the absolute minimum. I'm like, you got to play this guy. He played like 38 minutes tonight. I'm like, that was like stealing money. But it, it's funny. Um, I, I just wonder how much longer the NBA is going to be able to go. Um, and eventually, I think what's going to end up happening is you're going to end up with all these NBA teams that where they're pretty much damn near immune. Um, because they've all tested positive or they all had to sit through uh, COVID protocol. Like, I, I, do, do we even know, like, what happens if a player tests positive and, and then he's cleared? Like, is there – could you even test positive again? Or, or ha- have we even read or seen anything where if a guy tests positive twice, he's got to sit out again any, by any chance? Um, I have read a couple articles that they did have a couple players test positive for the second time. But the NBA, they're not releasing names, but they did say they did have players test positive for a second time. And this go around, when they have at least one player or two players test positive, like you see with the Heat, they have to sit down eight or nine guys because of contract contact tracing, which, you know, has teams going into games playing seven, eight, nine guys. You know, I forget who it was, but one team only had, you know, seven guys available. The Heat only had eight guys available. The Sixers only had eight guys available and it's affecting the stands and the standings a lot. So like you said, sleepy, if this continues at this pace, I'm not sure, you know, how long does it take for the NBA to shut down the season for a couple of weeks or even go back to the bubble? Yeah. I have my own thought. I want to hear what McKenzie has to say on the Mavs and Bucks game. McKenzie, I'll let you go ahead and then I'll tell you why I'm not worried about the NBA probably shutting down. And I think there's just, there's one, clear reason why but Mackenzie go ahead Mavs Bucks what are you thinking my simple power rankings make it four and a half so we're already getting value on the Mavs and I'm I'm glad I looked into the injury report or maybe I won't be by tomorrow afternoon because I'm trying to find a reason not to play the Mavs here just looking at January they're the number one team in the league in uh cleaning the glasses net differential which gets rid of garbage time they're four and oh plus 13 only team that's close is the Lakers at plus 11 and we said it last time we were on that Luka Doncic in January about this time just seems to be in better shape than he is in October and November, and in this case, December. And they're 63% ATS with Luka in January. It's I, I don't know why. The, something's keeping me off the Mavericks, but I'm strong leaning in that direction. 
Well, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play. I'm going to play Luca to go ahead and go over his threes for this game. You know, the Mavs started out uh, rather slow, you know, to go ahead and start the season. But the Mavs, you know, they've won five out of their last six games. And Luca shot in the beginning of the year. He shot like six or less threes um, to go ahead and start out. And, and that's when they went through that slow start. But recently, you know, the, he shot seven or more threes. And they haven't lost a game when he's done that. So I feel, you know, that Luca probably takes the same approach here. I thought maybe with Porzingis coming back that that would come back down a tick. But, you know, he shot nine threes in the last game and he made five of them. And the Bucks three-point defense, it's 17th in the league right now. So, you know, that doesn't worry me too much. And the fact that the Mavs are not on a back-to-back, I'm going to go ahead and, and assume that, that Luca's going to get his shots up. He's going to get his minutes. And I'm going to have a pretty good chance to go ahead and cash this wager. Uh, most importantly, I think, you know, just because of the way that he's been playing recently and the shots that he's getting up and, and the shots that he's taking um, has resulted in, in a bunch of wins. Um, I don't see why you, you know, why, why you go ahead and buck what's been working. I'm sorry, what's the number? Uh, more than likely, it'll be lined at two and a half threes. Um, there is no number currently for this. You, you generally won't get player props on NBA guys until day of. I remember, I'm going to say, it might have been game one or game two. I bet Luca over threes, and they were two and a half. And then I checked it again uh, maybe a couple of days later, and it was two and a half again. And that's pretty much, you know, where his average is at. But uh, as I had mentioned, you know, he's been shooting a lot more. So I'm guessing it's going to come out probably two and a half threes made, maybe minus 140 at the most. Um, there's even a chance it might even be close to even money. But I would play it maybe up to like minus 140. I like it a lot. Makes a lot of sense to me. So let me just say this, and this goes back to, you know, what Smooth was talking about with the NBA shutting down. Um, I think what what, what it's going to take in order for that to happen is there will have to be like some type of like severe outbreak. Um, here's the thing, you know, when you talked about the standings move and you're like, you know, you, you got some of these teams in the standings. Um, I get it. Um, some of the teams that are that are down the bottom there, you're like, man, they should be in the playoffs. You know, like the, like COVID's killing this team. Don't forget, the NBA hasn't released the second half of the season yet, and they're going to do whatever they want. They're going to front load, back load. They'll, they'll make, you know, teams that, that shouldn't be in the playoffs, you know, record-wise and, and come second half. Um, they're going to end up with a bunch of cupcakes and are like, well, you know, we can't lose out on Miami not making the playoffs, and we can't lose out on, on this team not getting in the playoffs like – you know, the NBA is a business at the end of the day. There's a reason they didn't release the second half schedule. And my gut feeling is that that's one of those reasons uh, because they, they can pretty much dictate, you know, who gets in and who doesn't. I, I particularly, um, I'm, I'm totally against, you know, those guys releasing the schedule, not releasing it to the public um, and holding them back on that. I just, I don't feel very comfortable with that. But again, I, I think that's one of the reasons why they won't shut down or if they do, and there's a couple of teams in there that, you know, you you don't want to not have Miami in the playoffs or, you know, a team like the Lakers or somebody like that. Like, it's like, you know, we got to get these guys in one way or another. And I think we saw that with the Pelicans last year when, you know, they released like, what was it, like that eight game schedule. And they, it was like they were dying to get Zion in the playoffs and they gave them the schedule to get in there. Unfortunately, the Pelicans didn't show up and uh, they lost way too many games. But, you know, it just... Take it for what it's worth. I think that that's one of the reasons why they won't shut down. Uh, let's jump over to our next game here. We got the Grizzlies at the Timberwolves. Timberwolves going to be minus three, total 224. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to pass this game. 
Uh, Carl Anthony Towns is back. That that kind of had me looking towards the T Wolves, but I don't know, man. I think the Grizzlies are, are at least a team that can match up well with with the T Wolves. So I'll go ahead. I'll pass. Smooth. Did you happen to look at that Grizzlies and T Wolves game? Yeah, I looked at it a little bit, and for reasons unknown to me, I'm not quite sure why the Timberwolves are struggling as much as they are this year, like they have over the years past, even with Carl Anthony Towns missing the time that he's missed because they still had D'Angelo Russell. They had the number one pick, Anthony Edwards, even him coming off the bench. Maybe that might be it. And Malik Beasley, you know, they have three guys averaging 20 points a game uh, between Russell, Beasley, and and Cat. But they're still, you know, one of the worst teams on the offensive end and defensive end when it comes to rating. Um, so I would look and lean towards the Grizzlies. You know, I think they're the better team. Um, that they, they do have Valanciunas inside that kind of match up with with Cat a little bit and, and bang with him down on the on the in the paint. And I did read something uh, before we hopped on the pod today that John ja Morant has been listed as questionable, so there might be a chance that he plays. So I, for that matchup, I would look towards the Grizzlies. Uh, getting three, three and a half. Now for me, you know, when I look at the T-Wolves and I watch the T-Wolves, I think, you know, this is a team that could put up a bunch of points if they could, you know, ever get consistent. Um, you know, you got a guy like Beasley who goes out there, he's two for 13, then he comes back the next day, uh, he's nine for 16. Uh, and then it's, it's, it's like, you know, they alternate who's going to be the guy who wants to go ice cold for the day. I think with Towns back, that team's is, is clearly better. Um, you know, he's probably going to have a, a pretty – I would say he's going to have a good rebounding day. I think once that team can get it rolling and 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 cats out there, and then they can go ahead and and figure out where they need to be, um, that they'll be half decent. They'll they'll win some games. They'll surprise some teams. But I do think um, that that offense will actually pick up a little bit. But right now, for me, that's one of the reasons I can't bet the T Wolves. I just feel like they're just so damn inconsistent uh, from game to game. Mackenzie, you got any thoughts on the Grizzlies and T Wolves? I do actually. This is actually my best bet of the night. Uh, of the lines that are out, and spot on with uh, John Morant suddenly, like literally an hour ago, being upgraded to questionable. He had an injury that they said would be about four weeks. It's been about two weeks, and the, and he's playing. I liked it before that, but with that news, and if, if he does end up playing, I'll wait for the news. I love the Timberwolves. This is one of my basic tenant handicaps of the NBA. It's not a zero-sum game. John Morant is a valuable player, one of the top 20 most valuable players in the league. I don't think the Grizzlies will play better tomorrow if he plays for several reasons. He's a high-usage player that's working his way back from an injury, that's interrupting a team that's on a 3-0 road winning streak uh, that's pretty, you know, subpar team. So they're, they're finally finding something that's working. They're going to have to start from ground one if he plays. And this team, I, I, I've been betting the Grizzlies. I bet them Wednesday against the same Timberwolves team because I think John Morant in general is just a little overrated. He, when, just simply when he's out, they don't, they don't do any worse. There's a lot of players, a lot of players that de- de- command attention, demand the ball, do spectacular things, but just net-net all the little quarter-point decisions, just a marginal improvement, maybe a half point to a point. Market, I believe, when he's announced that he'll play, will move about another point. It's already come off the opener of three and a half. So, yeah, my best bet is the Timberwolves minus two and a half. A couple more points on it. Revenge spot. And we've seen this throughout you know, the season so far. They have these two game sets. The team that loses, and the market's starting to adjust for this, 
comes out stronger the second game. It's the zigzag theory, but now that it's a new style of regular season, the market is you know finding out what it's what it all means. That said, we have that point of value. ATS margin in these revenge spots is about four. Probably cut that in half, so that's two. Market's adjusting one. We still get an extra point of value. Also, Carl Anthony Towns, it's kind of the opposite of John Morant. Instead of figuring out how he fits back into the system, he's a center, which is much more plug and play, and is his third game back. So he's got his feet under his legs. He's a top 25 player. He should be on any given day. If he's back to that form, the Timberwolves, in my opinion, are clearly the better team. They have the better spot. Maybe first quarter, that's been a strong trend as well. But yeah, Timberwolves minus two and a half is my best bet for a Friday. All right, guys, there you go. Best bet from Mackenzie River. He's going to go ahead and play the T-Wolves tomorrow. Um, let's jump over to uh, the Hawks and the Jazz. we got the Jazz here, minus six. Total, 222 and a half. Uh, I lean to the Jazz here uh, for a few reasons. I think the Jazz, you know, that they had a long road trip, uh, but they got lucky. You know, the last game was actually postponed for them uh, due to Corona. So, you know, they're going to get an extra day or so, you know, to go ahead and recuperate at home. Uh, typically, I don't like to play home teams that come home you know, after a long road trip in their first game. But I'll go ahead. I'll bypass that here with the extra day's rest. You know, this Hawks team to me and Smooth and I were talking about them, you know, about a week ago. Uh, they, they to me just they don't have any identity right now. Like They don't have any clue um, who they are, what they are. And Smooth and I had mentioned, you know, last week that, you know, a lot of the players were being a little vocal, you know, with, with Trey Young being the quote unquote star. Um, that he kind of needed to share the ball a little bit. And if you look at, you know, the Hawks' recent games, you know, with with their new approach here, uh, they lost four of their last five. I think the Jazz are good. I just I don't think you can trust you can trust the Hawks here until I at least see some consistency. So uh, I'll go ahead. I'll swallow the six points here with Utah. Uh, I'll go ahead. I'll lean to them tomorrow. Uh, it might actually turn into a like, but right now I'll go ahead. I'll, I'll look at the Jazz minus the six. Smooth. How are you feeling about that Hawks and Jazz game? Yeah, Sleepy, this is actually uh, one of my best bet for Friday. And even though we had to talk about the Hawks uh, last week with a little bit of chemistry issues between Trey Young and John Collins, I'm going to back the Hawks getting the six because I like I like this spot a lot that they're in, you know, just for this matchup with the Jazz. You know, they're three and two straight up and four and one against the spread in their last five games with the Jazz. And the Hawks, you know, they got off, like they say, they got off to a nice start to the season going 4-1 and straight up and 5-0 and against the spread. Obviously, they lost to four straight. Um, but they won their last game against the Sixers by 18, probably because the Sixers were dealing with some, uh, some, some COVID protocols. But last year, I backed the Hawks to make the playoffs, but they didn't perform up to standard. But with the additions that they made in the offseason with uh, Rajon Rondo, Galinari, Bogdanovich, and having Clint Capella for a full season. I think when all those guys get back and once they figure out what they're going to do with John Collins, I think this is going to be a playoff team out East and, you know, digging deep into this game to, you know, pick a side, you know, the Hawks, they made some big improvements from last year compared to this year. You know, last year, they was the 26th and 27th ranked offense and defense and rating. And this year, surprisingly, you know, they're eighth and 11th in offense and defense when it comes to rating. And they also they're also the best team, you know, defending the three point line, only allowing their opponents to shoot thirty percent from the line. And also they do a good job of uh, defending a, defending twos. They have a fifty point two percent effective field goal percentage that also ranks first in the league. And 
over the last 10 matchups between these two teams, you know, the Jazz, you know, they've been about a five point favorite. And when I saw this line open up at six and a half, that was just an indication to me that they, they don't believe that the Hawks have improved. But just looking at the numbers and the talent that's on the roster, um, I would say that they have improved a little bit. So I, I'm going to back the Hawks with the six. All right. So who's going to go ahead, go against my play there. I'll let McKenzie be the tiebreaker. McKenzie, Hawks, Jazz, what are you thinking? Sorry, Sleep. Got to side with Smooth on this one. Just a, just a pizza bet for me. I do have a lot of questions about the Hawks. They're a very Jekyll and Hyde team. I mean, they started out one of the stories of the season. Then they lose to the Knicks, and they lose to the Hornets back-to-back. And then they beat the Sixers. So it's very hard to figure out this team exactly. I'll just add this. I don't think Trey Young and the Hawks know how to be a favorite yet. I don't think they understand how to be a playoff team. They've always been the little engine that could. With Young as a favorite, short sample size, the Hawks are only 10 and 15. When they're a dog, they're above 500, and this year they're 3-0. and So my power rankings make it 4.5, so I get some value there just on how good I think the teams are. Pizza bunny bet for me on the Hawks. All right. So I'm on an island by myself. No big deal. I'm cool with that. I like it. Uh, next thing we got, we got the Clippers at the Kings. I got a best bet in this one. You know, Smoothie, I mentioned before about the bubble, and these were two teams that were in the bubble last year. And I know you did some work on that. This is something that we had talked about uh, early in the season, actually before the season had started. Uh, you were going to do some work on, you know, how teams were doing, you know, that were in the bubble last year that, that had an early exit, late exit. If you want to go ahead and talk about a little bit of that, feel free. Yeah, I think this is going to be real helpful for not just us, for people that tune in and, and listen to us and back our and back our plays. But like you mentioned, I did some research on teams that uh, this year that didn't that didn't make it to the bubble or the playoffs. And that was about, I want to say, eight teams with the Bulls, Hornets, Pistons, Hawks, Warriors, Knicks, Cavs, and Kings. And their record so far against the spread uh, coming into the, to tonight was 43 and 41. So not much uh, profit, you know, or not that much, you know, uh, enough, you know, significance to back, you know, just looking at that record. Um, so I took it a little step further where, you know, those teams that didn't make the bubble or make the playoffs last year, um, when they played against teams that made the playoffs or went to the bubble last year, and it was the same teams, but against teams, against playoff teams, they're 35 and 30, which is a little bit better. So I dug that, I took that a little step further to see if there could, could that, could that get any better? And the top four teams between the Bulls, Hornets, Pistons, and Hawks, uh, coming into tonight or after tonight with the Hornets covering, um, they're a combined 20 and seven against the spread for 74%. So going back to that Hawks pick, that also backs. Uh, that's also a factor working for the Hawks because they're a team that didn't go to the bubble, going up a team, going up against a team that did go to the bubble and make the playoffs. So I think that'll be a strong nugget, you know, moving forward for at least a couple months until you know the market uh, catches on to catches on to that. All right, good stuff from Smooth on that. Let's jump into this Clippers at the Kings game. We got the Clippers. They're gonna be minus six here on the road. Total 230 and a half. I actually have a best bet in this one. Uh, Mackenzie, I'll go ahead. I'll start out with you first. We got the Clippers at the Kings. What are you thinking? First of all, I'd just like to say I'd love that analysis. I'm going a, I'm to a steal that from you or at least dig deeper. 
20 and 7 by the way that's the ravens ats run last year and a half so that's what it's for what it's worth 20 and 7 not too bad talking about against the spread record uh with these kings clippers my line makes it clippers minus six and a half i don't have a lot on the game i would just add this the clippers kind of need a big win they've gone their last six games without winning by more than five points so to me i think in the fourth quarter if they're up 10 like they were against the pelicans in their last time out i think they put their foot on the gas a little bit more so i lean to the clippers all right mckenzie go ahead and lean to the clippers how about you smooth clips kings what are you thinking um, I would lean a little bit towards the Kings uh, for the simple fact that their last game against the Blazers, uh, they was they were winning that game pretty handily. Uh, I think they got up by as much as 20, but they ended up going to halftime only up three. So they squandered that lead pretty quickly. So they, they I think they'll come out a little bit more motivated and to be locked in and engaged throughout the entirety of the game. Uh, Clippers also coming off a nice win uh, on TV. I think it was against the, the Pelicans. And there, Paul George is playing a lot better this year. Uh, MVP status back to when he was in OKC, but they're about 25th in the defensive rating. And the Kings, they can get up and down and, and score a little bit. So as long as the Kings are scoring the ball, I would lean towards the, I would lean towards the Kings. But maybe a stronger play might be towards the over, sitting at 230 right now. All right, yeah, as smooth as I mentioned, over 230. Uh, that plays right into my best bet here, I think. Uh, I'm going to go to give you guys a play here on Rashawn Holmes. I'm going to go down. I'm going to play him to record a double-double tomorrow. You know, I expect a decent price here. I would say maybe we get minus 150 if we have to lay some juice. But I also think there's a chance that we can get some plus money. You know, to be honest with you, I'm not quite sure what this number will be. But I think if we call our buy price minus 150, uh, that would be the smallest and final wager that I make. So anything better than that, I feel pretty good about that. Holmes, you know, he's done well in the rebounding department this year. Now I went back and I look at season stats for him. And in the games where he recorded 10 or more rebounds, now he's only recorded 10 or more rebounds three times this entire season. And that came against Phoenix, Houston, and Indiana. And those teams just so happen to be the 26th, the 27th, and the 28th ranked rebounding teams in the league. Well, the Clippers, they are the dead last team when it comes to rebounds in the league. So stat-wise, it says, you know, he's going to hit 10 here, and I don't think he'll have any problem getting to 10 points. The fact that we got a total of 230, I feel pretty good about that. And the Kings are not on a back-to-back, so I expect Holmes, you know, to get his minutes, his points, and his rebounds in this game. So I'll go ahead. I'll give you guys that rush on Holmes tomorrow to go ahead and record a double-double. I'll play that up to minus 150 but I wouldn't be surprised if we get a much better price on that. To be honest, I I, I don't know where that number is going to come out, um, but minus 150 would be my cutoff. Uh, with that said, we do have one more game to get to. This will be Dan Rivera's North Dakota State at North Dakota. North Dakota is going to be plus five and a half here at home. We have a total of 128 and a half. Uh, this one tips off tomorrow night around eight o'clock. Dan, North Dakota State, North Dakota, what are you thinking? I like North Dakota State here, minus five and a half, buy a price up to six. Again, North Dakota State, not North Dakota. Yes, I know this might sound a bit confusing with the North and Dakotas, but I'm taking North Dakota State as a favorite. I like North Dakota State to cover here. Since the start of January, this team in North Dakota State has been averaging about 74 points per game and giving up about 62 points per game. 
Meanwhile, for North Dakota, well, this team has two good wins this year. But one of those wins was over Oral Roberts. And in that game, North Dakota had their best shooting night of the year. And Oral Roberts had a very bad shooting night. And only by one point, North Dakota won that game by. This North Dakota team is not putting up a lot of points. This team, if you go look at the box score for the schedule for the whole year on whatever website you guys look at, there's a lot of um, 50s in there. They struggle to put up 65, and that screams red flag to me because pending a North Dakota State just atrocious shooting night, I think they're going to put up at least 65 here. North Dakota State has good stats despite playing some tough teams this year. They did almost go to Kansas and win at Kansas outright, but Kansas pulled away late. On Kempom, they have an average offense and a slightly below average defense when you rank those teams nationally. North Dakota, on their end, doesn't do very much very well. Nothing well at all, actually. They are ranked 270 or above in a lot of stats, such as offense, effective field goal percent, three-point percent, free throw percent, blocks allowed, and steals allowed. That's a lot of stats on offense alone they're giving up. If you look at their defense for North Dakota, mostly 250 range. Now, when you flip to the North Dakota State offense, they're number 166 in the nation at three-point percent and number 204 in two-point percent. But, again, if you look at both these teams' schedules, they played some higher D1 competition. So those stats are generally skewed against them. When you look at conference play from North Dakota State, they're number four in conference from the three and number one in conference from two-point percent. And Sleepy, stop me if you ever heard me say this before, but North Dakota State is number 32 in the nation at free throw percent and number one in conference. All you listeners know, and Sleepy will attest to this, I like backing teams who are good at free throw shooting. It's just something I have a tough time overlooking especially in this kind of golden range of spread, about five, six points, all the way up to 12. When you know, or you think you know, these favors are going to be up big toward the end of the game, and you know they're going to be able to put some points up at the end, just in case they get a backdoor cover. That's not actually my favorite bet of these two. I like the total over here quite a bit, actually. Now, a lot of you might be wondering why this total is set so low. This total originally opened at 129.5, and I thought it was low then, and we still dropped a point. There are two reasons why this total is so low. Number one, Kent Palm has this game at about 127 points. Number two, these two teams actually played back in December, and North Dakota State won by one point, 53 to 52. Something that score does not tell you is both those teams were having a little mini Dakota tournament up there just to get some games in. That was their third straight game in three days, and both teams were just tired at that point, so they probably just took a lot of bad shots and not playing very good defense, but their shots were just so bad it doesn't show up very well. If you look at this total some more, if you go back to the 2016-2017 season, there was 10 games played. The average score is about North Dakota State, 76, to North Dakota is about 67-68 points. The littlest total recorded in that time period was, was 133 points, and that was back in December. Over that 10-game sample size, anytime North Dakota won or covered, they put up about 70 points, except for that last game. Sleepy, we have a historical outlier total here. Last time this game actually went under 128 points, it was all the way back in December 2014, when North Dakota only put up 42 points. And even in that game, North Dakota was still a lower D1 team, and technically a D2S team, one of that weird transition phases, so they didn't even have a real total out. Seems a bit lazy to me when all these head-to-heads go over this number, and you have that last game going under. So to me, I think a lot of people are just overreacting to that last game, which was the last thing we saw from them. 
I think North Dakota State wins here 74-62, right in line with their historical numbers. But don't be surprised they put up close to 80. Lastly, North Dakota State this year has shown they will sit a lot of starters if the game's out of hand. But that was one of the worst teams they played when they did that versus Western Illinois University. And I think North Dakota will keep it close enough where North Dakota State has to play their starters most of the game. I think North Dakota State here wins by double digits at least. And I think they go over this total quite a bit. All right, good stuff from Dan Rivera on that one. Uh, That'll conclude the podcast for tonight. Uh, We went through our four NBA games, two college basketball. Talked a little bit about Harden and some bubble stuff. Good stuff from the guys on this one. A big shout out to Jay Smoove. You guys can find him on Twitter at Smoove underscore 702. Mackenzie Rivers at Mackin Rivers and Dan Rivera at Dan Rivera 228. And as always, you guys can find me on Twitter as well at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Make sure you guys check us out at TheBettingPredators.com and the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for your Friday. Enjoy the games. <laughs>